0: Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. I'm your host, Catherine Plano. I am a creative soul adventurer, a modern-day alchemist, and a transformational coach for entrepreneurs, businesses, leaders, and for those who want to break the cycle of convention and redefine success one step at a time. I am on a mission to empower the conscious people of this world, those who seek to learn, grow, grow understand and become the very best version of themselves that they can be. Every week we have thought leaders, change instigators and inspirational human beings from around the globe that offer you profound teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, positive, cognitive and spiritual psychology to help you build wealth, health, love and achieve lasting transformation. So join us here every week. For new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life and your business. This week, I am super excited about our guest. We have Kimberly Fulcher. Kim is a motivational speaker and business coach, the author of Remodel Your Reality, Seven Steps to Rebalance Your Life and Reclaim Your Passion and the producer of Get Your Groove Back, an on-demand coaching program for women. A Silicon Valley veteran, Kim has founded three companies and acts as a board member and angel investor. She delivers inspiring keynotes on the scientific fundamentals of performance, empowerment, and focus, and coaches female executives and entrepreneurs. A frequent media contributor, on wellness and women's issues her expert advice has been featured in magazines such as Time and Seventeen she's a contributor and facilitator for Ariana Huffington's Thrive Global and her advice videos have been viewed by millions with more than 20 years and 12,000 hours of coaching experience Kim breaks empowerment down into practical steps and shows women how to get out of their own way. She is a passionate advocate for advancing women in leadership and funding female-led companies. It's now time to tune into this very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, I'm super excited about our guest today. We have the beautiful Kimberly Fulcher, all the way from San Francisco. So welcome to I Am Woman Project.
1: Oh, I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to have you on the
0: show. So we always love to ask a woman of inspiration to share her unique story. So, Kimberly, share with us what inspired you to do what you do today?
1: Sure. So what I do today is work with women, female leaders, executives and entrepreneurs to help them really do the work that they were born to do in the world while also allowing themselves to have the family and the personal life they want to have. So I don't like to say balance. I like to say blend, you know, really to find that blend so that you can really succeed in your professional life um, and also maintain and enjoy and be fulfilled by your personal one. So uh, I've been doing this for about, oh, I would say 20 years now off and on. And I've actually started, three companies throughout that 20 years. So I've, I've coached not only in private practice, but also in group form. And then I've coached as a leader myself, either as a, you know, a startup founder or as an executive in my wheelhouse is marketing. Um, But I've really used my skills over the course of the 20 years to help get myself out of a bunch of jams, uh, frankly. And I find that when we're able to really face difficult things and overcome them, um, we become stronger as women. So the the kind of short answer uh, to your question is, you know, I found life coaching on the heels of starting my first company, which was a great success, thankfully. And we sold it for about $40 million in just under two years. And it was in the dot-com phase of Silicon Valley out here where I live in the 2000s. And so uh, I was thinking I was, you know, pretty hot stuff. Uh, And then I went to start my second company with, frankly, a lot of hubris. And I made pretty much every mistake a, a female founder can make. I did fund the company on Sand Hill Road and We ended up closing that company down after five very excruciating years. And I found myself just completely out of my depth. You know, I'd been one of those uh, achievers who checked boxes to prove I was okay, I was using all of these external factors to, to say I was right from, you know, the shoes I was wearing to the car I drove to the way I lived. And, you know, this is all as a coach and as a founder. So I'm, you know, anyone in the outside world looking at me would have thought, oh my gosh, she's just got it totally all together. And, and there's a point, uh, to my story here, uh, because when I failed that thing that I had relied on to prove I was okay, which by the way had worked for 40 years, I was 41 when my second company failed it was gone. It was like the rug had been pulled out from under me. And I was so embarrassed and ashamed for the, the actual failure. And then I was just drowning in the sea of self-doubt. So what brought me to the real work I do, which is about really helping a woman come from a clear grounded place in who she has decided to be as a woman and what it is she's decided she's going to live for. And to do that in a way that feels very spiritually guided, whatever her, her discipline or doctrine might be. Um, I had to fall on my face to, to add that depth to my coaching because I've always, always had been a performance coach. You know, how do you get the best out of yourself? Um, but it took me falling on, you know, my face in the mud to realize that, you know, what had been missing in my second company was me listening to the authenticity within me versus my ego. So I ultimately had to, to have a really staggering, painful failure in order to realize how lost I was and then find myself again. And, and that's what I do with women now in my third company. Uh, Which is focused, as I said, again, on uh, female leaders, founders, executives, and artists. You know, my mission in the world is to help advance and put women in leadership and tech and in politics and in media, because I really believe that when women's voices inform the world, our societies begin to change. So, um, you know, very painful 20 year journey. uh, And yet, you know, just in the last year or so, I've started to really connect the dots and it feels really good.
0: Mm, I love that. And I think it's through our photo that we learn the most, right? Of course. And I, I, I noticed on your website, yeah, you actually talk about getting unstuck and you have these three steps or a formula, three-step formula that will set you free. I'm curious, what are those three steps?
1: Yes. Yeah. So, and you know, the reason that the, I offer this 20 video coaching program for women called Get Your Groove Back and it's kind of a, a part blog, part vlog less than seven minutes, each one of the videos, because my premise is that, you know, you have to be able to change your life in 10 minutes a day or what woman actually is going to make the time to do it. So we've made sure that in 10 minutes a day, you know, you can come for free and listen to some of these videos very much like we would listen to podcasts, right. Um, and really learn about how to handle the the basics in our life. But the reason that I use the, the stuck formula on my front page is because it is the most, uh, it's the one of the most asked questions on Google last year was how to get unstuck or how to, you know, get out of your own way or, or something of that nature. And then in my work with clients as well, I find that even very, very accomplished women will hit these blocks where they just feel like they're on a treadmill where you're just working really hard, but you're not getting anywhere or you could be actually paralyzed. So first I'll tell you the three steps and then I'll, I'll give you a little breakdown on them. Okay. So the first that, that worked for you. Yes. Yes. Perfect. So the first, and, and it's a little counterintuitive because when we're stuck, what it means is that we are resisting some circumstance in our life. Right. So um, so the first step is to stop resisting and start responding. And we'll go back to that. The second step is to stop arguing for our limitations and to look for opportunities instead to use our voices to move ourselves forward rather than to hold ourselves back. And I'll give a couple practical tips on that as well. And then the third is to focus on forward movement. Uh, Appropriate for me to just give kind of a little dive into each one of those. I would love that. All right. Fabulous. So the first step is the most important because what is natural human behavior, you know, our brain is not designed to make us happy. Our brain is designed to keep us safe. And what that means is your brain is always on kind of a search and destroy mission for anything that seems like it might be threatening you in any way based on how you have defined the circumstances of the world. So anytime we're expecting something or we want something that we don't get or someone says something that upsets us, or that there's a problem in front of us that seems unfair or that seems bigger than what we might be able to handle, we immediately we'll begin to resist that problem by feeling very sorry for ourselves that it's there by talking about how unfair it is that we have it. And everyone has had in their life, one of these situations where you're really just ruminating on something. Right. And the, the problem with that is that our brain Focuses on what we direct it to. And so when we are focused on how unfair the problem is and how we're just never going to get out of it, that becomes our truth. So the first thing I always do when I'm working with a client is to make sure that she defines the things that are not working in her life. But then immediately we define what do you want instead? Because as soon as you start to focus on what you want instead, your brain begins to look for resources and there's actually something in your brain called the reticular activating system which sounds fancy but it just means that there's too much information for us to take in and so our brain filters almost everything around us other than what we've told it matters and an example of this could be have you ever purchased a car or thought of thinking or thought of purchasing a car and then you you know you see that car everywhere it's not that those cars appeared overnight. It's that your reticular activating system went, "Oh, that car's important to you," and started serving things up. So, based on science, when we focus on our problem, we are destined to be on that nasty little hamster wheel. And when we focus instead on what we want, we begin to become very resourceful. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And haven't we all done that, right? And it feels terrible to be. <laughs> and yet there's a, a secondhand payoff right because everybody feels sorry for us yeah. have you had that experience
0: oh yeah and I, as you're saying it's like what re- what uh, we resist will persist and yes. I think if we just got to keep an eye on what's that what's that constant pattern that's you know hello I'm here for us to become conscious and and aware of it for us to work with it
1: yes exactly right exactly right so so the first thing we have to do is just stop arguing and my favorite quote is from Eckhart Tolle. And I'm going to paraphrase so that I don't butcher his beautiful words. But essentially, he is advising, view the present moment as if you asked for it. View it as if Actually, there's nothing wrong with the circumstance. There's simply something you're missing. What can you do in your current circumstance in order to move yourself toward what you want? I call that true north when I'm working with clients. True north becomes who are the people and the priorities and the projects that are important to you. And then everything that happens in their life, all we do is look for. Are you thinking, using your voice, behaving, believing and responding for what you want, which sounds so simple, but what the world really invites us to do is to put our focus and our energy and attention anywhere but that, <laughs> right? Mm. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I'll do uh, real quick a, just a little summary on. So step two, right in line with that, is we must not use our voice to keep ourselves down. We must not argue for our limitations, um, but we all do. Right. Well, you know, I'm never going to be able to make a living doing this thing. I love, you know, I don't have the education for that. I'm too old. I'm too. think about the things that we say in our inside voice. And even when we're talking to our closest friends. And when we use our voices to explain why something is not possible, it becomes not possible because you're shutting down the reticular activating system. You're missing opportunities around you because your brain isn't even looking for them. And so the real quick shift on that is that anytime you catch yourself thinking about something that is holding you back, we call it a limiting belief, but saying something like, I can never have what I want because of X. What instead I encourage clients to do is think about, well, what are all the reasons that could happen for me? What are all the skills and strengths I already have that could help me move forward? And as soon as we stop using our voice to argue against ourselves, we start to move forward. And have you had those moments in your life? Oh, absolutely.
0: I'm, I would say I'm, I'm just uh, thinking about it's the excuses we make for ourselves as well. It's that whole cause and effect. When we are constantly... Uh, making excuses for ourselves, we're actually creating limitations for ourselves. And rather than being the creator, we are being, um, I guess, the servant of these limiting beliefs that we carry over and over again.
1: Yes, exactly right. And, you know, what is sadly true is that most people don't ever really slow down and pay attention to their life as they're moving through it enough to even identify what are the things I'm saying to myself that are holding me back. And 9 times out of 10, those are not things we came up with by ourselves. They're, you know, something someone influential said to us when we were growing up. They're, you know, something that we started to believe as a result of a hard experience in childhood and hasn't every person had a mm. hard experience in childhood, right? Yeah. And so we carry around this whole headful of Uh, information that we've never really given a close look to. So, you know, I I just think you're, you've nailed it uh, in terms of the limiting beliefs or the things that hold us back. And as soon as we can start paying attention to the words that are coming out of our mouths in terms of excuses or limits, we really can start to become more aware of those core things that are actually in charge of our life. Mm, So true. Yes. Yes. So, and then the third step, and this is the the hardest one, because it requires faith in yourself, is to focus on forward movement. And what I mean by that is, let's 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 assume we have a goal, right? We have established that true north, uh, I'll use myself as an example, you know, I'm shopping my second book right now, and I'm looking for a publisher. And so I have a true north goal to find the right publisher so that this book can become a number one New York Times bestseller. And that is a A multi-stepped process it's you know a to z a few times over and it can become very overwhelming if i'm at step a and i'm looking at well what is step g then i can become paralyzed because i don't actually know that but what i do know is what step b is right step b is need to make sure that i'm with the right agent for example and i'm just using myself as an example but if you can imagine anything that you want and consider where you're at in this moment step a Step B is the only thing you need to know. What we want to focus on is our next best step. And as long as we're moving forward, even if they're tiny little half baby steps, even if we're crawling those steps, that is considered success.
0: Mm. So you're talking about one step at a time. We don't And sometimes we don't even have to know that step, right? It's sometimes it's, we understand what our, our true north goal is. We're focused on that. As long as we know that we also have to act towards that goal, sometimes the step is almost like it just – I feel that when you're really strongly connected to your north star, or your north goal, sometimes the steps uh, – it's like following the yellow brick roll. The yellow brick yes. roll. It unfolds in front of you.
1: Yes, it, you're you're exactly right. And the the beauty of that process is that you really begin – as you take a, take a step and you don't know what your next one is, but you're focused and believing in the step in front of you. And then all of a sudden, once you complete it, another one appears, there really starts to be a belief system that develops in you that, that validates. Actually, all I need to do is focus on what I need to get done right now. And I will be led forward and, you know, philosophers and poets and great uh, thought leaders and authors throughout the ages have talked about. That when you decide to act on your own behalf, the universe will meet you. and 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 that's really the you know the spiritual undertone of this message is you have to have a belief that there is some force outside of you that is going to support that true north goal, right? It is go- that is going to support you in moving forward in your life purpose. And then just practically, the other thing that you begin to learn is that no matter what the step is, you know, let's say I get to step C and I'm feeling pretty good and then all of a sudden step D is like go slay a dragon, love to dragons, right? And it seems huge. What I realize is that even when those big scary things happen, I can handle it. And, and that is actually the basis of self-confidence is having a belief um, where you're not focused on wanting to avoid bad things happening because this is life and bad things happen to everyone. Rather, we want to put your trust in yourself that no matter what happens, you're going to be able to figure it out.
0: Mm. I'm, I'm, as you're talking to I'm thinking about how we quite often get in our own way. Like we we're clear about our our true north goal, our north star, and yet if it doesn't happen quick enough, like you're saying, the steps could be from A to Z. So there's quite a few steps to get through. Yeah, but if it doesn't happen in the second or third step, people just give up. Do you find that?
1: Oh, I do so often, and. You know, the the thing that I typically will ask someone, because I've had so many clients, you know, I work with a lot of musicians, a lot of artists, and um, so many of my clients have been at this for so many years, Of authors as well, you know. Um, and there's that question that comes up of, you know, is this just a pipe dream? Is this really not meant for me? And the thing that I'll ask when that subject matter is in play, and we all think at it at a time or another, is, are you actually doing everything you can to move the ball down the field? Because what typically I find is that we're very frustrated, we're not getting the results we want. But if we really sit back and look at our, our actual behavior, we're not actually doing the things that are required to make it happen. And uh, you know I use a, it's, I, I think of it like a cookbook. If you want a healthy fit body, there is a recipe of behavior that will give you a healthy, fit body. And all you've got to do is go online and Google what are the habits of a healthy, fit body, right? If you have incorporated all of the habits of a healthy, fit body, and you're doing all of the things that should produce a healthy, fit body, and you still don't have one, then there's something else wrong. Or you're doing all of the behaviors of being a a best-selling author or of being a, a signed musician, right? And you're not getting those outcomes. Then maybe we need to take a second look at the dream and really look at the essence of the dream. But what I find nine times out of 10 is that the dream is there. Even people they admire who already have the dream is there. But if we really look at, well, what do you think the person you admire does every day? What do you think their calendar looks like? And then we look at our calendar and I ask, and are you doing the same things they're doing? Because they're doing what is required to produce the result. Are you also doing What is required? And it's almost always about just lining up habits. So a very long answer to yes, I find people give up too quickly. And I think there's a very clean way that you can analyze whether or not you're doing the right things. And um, the goal is just not for you or whether you're just not doing the right things to get the goal does that
0: track yeah absolutely it tracks I love the way that you just said that by the way does that track that is so cool Uh, (laughs) but the other thing that comes to mind too is that we tend to sabotage as well so for example I know for me and this is probably now two years ago where I was having a conversation with my husband and uh, I realized there was this fear of success, and it was purely because we started talking about my inner critic and how I was always sabotaging you know when things when I was the brink of success, I would sabotage an aspect mm-hmm. of what whatever that was so why do you think we sabotage ourselves?
1: Well, there, there is, this is actually a chapter in the, my second book, which is called Choose Power. And it's a, basically a roadmap for how do we behave our way into being powerful. There's so much talk about empowerment nowadays, right? But what does that really mean in practical behavior? And with sabotage, your brain has something called positive intent. So that means that every behavior you have in some way, shape, or form is working for you. It may not be getting you to true north, but it is in some way, shape or form working for you. And typically when I'm working with someone, what we look at is which of the driving needs of behavior are being met by whatever sabotage habit is in place. Um, There are five needs. So we need safety um, and that's physical safety, but also emotional safety or security, right? Um, We need to feel loved connected, belong, like like we belong, right? Um, we need to feel significant or worthy. We're important. We matter. We need to feel free and autonomous, right? I'm in charge of myself. I'm in charge of my choices and calendar, and we need to feel competent. That one holds a lot of people back. Um, we need to feel like, yes, I can do this and I know how to do this. So anytime I find a behavior that is sabotaging a client, if we really ask, Enough times, you know, what do you think you're getting out of this, and of course, the first answer is always, well, nothing, but no, that's not true. You would not do it over and over if you weren't getting something out of it um, and then we just ask that question enough until we can figure out which of those needs is being met, and you know uh the truth is that we will violate our values to meet our needs because our needs are subconsciously driven, and your brain is going to make sure you are safe like. Come heck or high water, it is going to keep you there. So it's about one of those five needs not being satisfied. Um, and with success, Catherine, you know the, what I find, and I have this myself. Um, it's one of two th- things. It's either, oh, my gosh, if I really put myself out there, I'm going to get criticized. I'm going to get rejected because everybody does. And that, that's really around the connection and the belonging. Or it could be around, you know, am I good enough worth? Um and then the other one that always gets me is the secret fear of, oh my gosh, if I really succeed at the highest level, I'm not gonna have any control of my calendar. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have any freedom. And that one just gets me almost every time. Um does does that is that kind of layered explanation making sense to you?
0: I love it. Absolutely. For me, I can as I as I'm looking at my uh my saboteur was to keep me safe because I remember yes. that when I was shining in my light, I um used to get ridiculed. I used to get criticized. I used to get put down. So hence why there's this resistance, which we were talking about before, which probably keeps me stuck, was keeping me stuck, I should say. That was two years ago. Uh,
1: So yeah, absolutely. I can
0: relate to that need.
1: And And that's universal because here's the other thing. Every human being has these five needs and unconsciously we learn how to get those needs satisfied just based on what works and what doesn't. So anything that has made you feel safe in the past, that's a strategy that your brain is going for. And, you know, one of my, my soapbox items that just makes me uh, so frustrated is in, in my generation and I'm in my late forties. So basically Gen X and baby boom forward and some millennials, you know, there's still that societal kind of expectation that you're not supposed to be bigger than your friend and you're not supposed to have an opinion. Oh, she's so bossy. She's so loud. Right. So we get these messages as young children that are just embedded in us that to be a good girl, you're supposed to be compliant and you're not supposed to rock the boat and you're not supposed to be too big or, or in your words, which I love so bright and shiny, right? Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and what I find is that the only way to dispel those types of of messages in society is for, for all of us to continue to, you know, join arms as sisters and make sure that we're giving a lot of endorsement for our bright, shiny sisters out there who are showing us it's okay to do that.
0: Oh, I love that. I love the way you're saying that. And we were talking about soul sisters. So it is very much about that yeah so and and this goes back to there's this real piece on and and I hear it you know from because I study astrology so from an astrology point of view uh you know we've we've landed in a, a new year a new decade a new age a new era and the whole thing of women empowerment is on the rise yes and I see I do a lot of work with women in uh leadership and I find that there is really a lack of confidence. And purely because um, I see when there's opportunities that arise, men jump at the chance, women kind of like stew on it. You know, they like, they start having these conversations, these inner dialogues like, am I going to be good enough? Um, Am I going to succeed or am I going to fail? All of these things. So what are your, you know, what kind of like message would you like to uh, give to those women that are in those situations and help them uh, raise the bar a little bit and become a
1: little bit more confident with who they are. Uh, it's such a it's such a great question, and I think it, there are layers to it. I agree with you that I think the number one problem in uh, in the world of the professional woman today has to do with her own lack of confidence in herself, and I think that has to do so much with the messages and expectations of society as it has been. It also has to do with the the really gargantuan expectation that is placed on the modern woman. I mean, my gosh, how can we possibly keep up with, you know, being the... The six-figure earner being the sex goddess at home, raising amazing children, having our homes clean, our bodies great, not aging. It's just, it's ridiculous what's asked of us. So specific to, to work opportunities, I say two things. First, what we know to be true is that men take the, the job, go for the job, and then they figure out how they're going to do it women want to figure out if they can do it or whether or not they're going to do it before they apply for the job. And so one timeless piece of advice, and I think the first person I heard this from was Sheryl Sandberg, uh, who's uh, an executive at Facebook, is go for the job. You will figure out how to do it once you get in it. Think about today's modern woman and everything we manage. We are the most resourceful most amazing group of individuals. So my advice will be first and foremost, if you want it, if you feel a tingle, if, if this is the direction you want to go in, go for the job, you will figure it out as you go. And, and that piece of it goes back to the focus on forward movement, right? Where all you've got to know is what your next step is. Your next step is go get the interview. Then your next step is ace that interview then ace the next one, and just continue to put your feet in front, one foot in front of the other. The, the other part of that is you know, outside of advice, but practically, how do we raise our confidence? And what science has shown us is that we cannot think our way into becoming more confident. So you cannot go work with a therapist or a coach and just affirmation your way into confidence, or you know, work with a therapist and dig into the layers of why you don't have confidence. Confidence is a result of the way we behave. When we know that we can count on ourselves to follow through on our commitments, when we know we can count on ourselves to show up and to speak up for ourselves, then we begin to build confidence. And so I actually have a little exercise that I do with clients, and we just call it a confidence bank account. Most women are overdrawn, right? For factors that are outside of our control. But what's in our control is every commitment that we make and don't keep so let's say we say okay i'm going to get my workout in every morning this week and then for one reason or another we blow ourselves off because of course we're always last on our list or the first to get knocked off every time you make a commitment to yourself that you do not follow through on you take a little withdrawal from your account and that's why so many women are are overdrawn every time you do a tiny little thing for yourself, you make that commitment to get your workout, or you make that commitment to have a five minute quiet cup of coffee and you do it. You put deposits into your bank account, right? And so what we want to do is make sure that we stop saying yes to things we want to say no to, right? That we're only committing to the things that we really want to commit to. And then we are actively following through on those commitments. And that literally builds brain confidence.
0: That's so true. It makes sense because it's it's like the emotional bank account. The more that you can um, do for yourself, um, the more that you can connect. So, for example, the emotional bank account, and I do this as well, It's, it's uh, and it's more so your relationships and it could be your partner and what are your deposits and what are your withdrawals, exactly in that same way. And it's yes. interesting, when I did that exercise with my husband, what I thought were the deposits for him were actually not deposits. Uh, and it wasn't till <laughs> I know, you know, it was really funny because to me, my, the deposits was, okay, I took the bins out, I cooked dinner, I did the ironing, whatever that was right. Or I picked his dry cleaning, all of these things that I thought were deposits. And when we actually sat down, we did this exercise together. He looked at them and he goes, there's not one thing in your list that's actually a deposit for me. And I was like, what? Wow. But it was true. And the deposits were things like spending quality time with you, going to the movies with you, going to the market with you, or cooking together, which was completely not on my list. So as you were saying, I'm having this big smile on my face because I relate to this in a very, very specific way just as I shared.
1: Oh, I love it. And I love what you're talking about in terms of the deposits because we all feel loved differently, right? Mm. Uh, there's a, an amazing book by a man named Gary Chapman, and it's called The Five Love Languages. And he actually puts science to exactly what you were just describing. You know, some people feel loved when they hear words of affirmation. Some people feel loved when you do things for them. Some people feel loved when you touch them. Some people feel loved when you spend time with them. And it's almost never the case that two partners have the same love map, yet we love in the way that we'd like to be loved. So isn't it funny that until we sit down with our mate and figure out, well, wait a minute, when you say I love you, that makes me feel loved. Or when I take the garbage out, you know, the, I'm saying I love you. And he's like, what are you talking about? I wanted you to go somewhere with me. It's, it's, that's, it's amazing the way the human mind works, isn't it?
0: It is absolutely, yeah. And and it's it is, and it's very much also um, he he likes to hear it. He likes to hear uh, me say I love you. Whereas me, you don't need to say it. I know it. It's, it's, it's annoying for me. So it is different languages. We do speak different languages. Yet our default, whatever our default position is, we just think that's how it should be for everybody else. And it's
1: not, I know, I know it's a, it's a crazy thing. And, and back to, you know, in kind of bringing this full circle in terms of the bank accounts. So, so one way to raise our confidence bank account is to make and keep commitments to ourselves. Another way is to make sure that we are taking good care of ourselves, good care of our physical basics. And, you know, one of the greatest lies in all of history is that self-care is selfish because what we know to be true is that self-care is science that what used to be a badge of honor the woman putting herself last on our list and only getting a few hours of sleep a night and you know kind of just eating where she can pick up and never exercising right to be a train wreck is not a badge of honor and guess what you're not doing anyone any favors um I have had the privilege of working with Ariana Huffington and Thrive Global for a few years. And they are a company that works in corporations to end stress and burnout. And so I facilitate workshops for them at times. And one of the stats I learned in my work with Thrive that is staggering and always gets people's attention is that if you go for three nights in a row with five hours of sleep or less, which is a very common thing uh, among many women who I've interacted with. If you do that three days in a row, five hours of sleep or less, your brain functions at the same level as a drunk brain. So a brain that is not able to legally drive. So the the badge of honor to stay up all night to get something done is actually hurting everyone because your body cannot physically perform and your brain cannot physically perform if you're not taking care of it. So What I do with clients is to make sure that we have these four non-negotiable fundamentals of self-care and that she commit to those in a way that isn't like this great big sweeping, you know, I'm going to om on the mountaintop for two hours a day, but that's, you know, in very practical ways she can fit into her life. And each time she does one of these activities to take care of herself, again, she's putting a deposit into her confidence bank, and they're very simple. They're um, seven to eight hours of sleep every night. Period. End of story. Um, point two is to nourish. To when you eat, actually put m- micronutrients, vitamins, minerals, real food into your body. Especially after our forties, we cannot run on garbage, on on processed foods. Especially as you enter perimenopause and menopause, it will just get you. So we want to be eating good nourishing food, not about weight, right? About nourishment um, and hydrating, right? Uh, We want to, point number three, make sure that we are breaking a sweat at least five days out of seven. And that is, again, not for weight. That is completely for uh, stress relief, cleans toxins out of your body, and also raises all of the feel-good chemicals in your brain. Your dopamine, uh, your serotonin is impacted. Uh, your endorphins are, are fired and, and you start to feel better. And then the fourth thing is to find a way to relieve your stress and a, and a breaking a sweat could be that for me, certainly every day it is. Um, But maybe it's five minutes of quiet breathing. Maybe it's a full meditation. Maybe it's a walk. Maybe it's a hot scented bath, but to have something you do for yourself every day where you can hit that little button that says, yeah, I want to feel good too. Um, And not, you know, drinking a bottle of wine uh, or, you know, taking, uh, uh, pills or, uh, you know, spending money online. These are not good for me, feel good things. We want good for me, feel good things that help us to relieve our stress. Um, so very kind of long explanation, but to bring that home, when we do things that take care of us, we put deposits in our confidence account because what we're telling ourselves is that we matter.
0: So true. And they're basic yet. We can't just, we can't
1: get it right. Right. And it's and it's because, again, of uh, the messages from society, and especially, you know, there are many religious communities that will will work hard, right, to condition you to believe that if you're taking care of yourself, that you're in some way selfish. My message is never don't take care of people. You know, I've got a, a husband who I love with my whole heart, four kids, grandkids, uh, my own company many, many people in our friends, family and company, family ecosystems who matter to me. I take care of people all day long. So I don't want you to stop taking care of people, but I do want you to take care of yourself as a priority because it allows you to take care of everything else in your life at a higher and happier level.
0: Oh, absolutely. And you have this thing where, uh, you have the, like the five buckets of drama. I'm curious, what are the five (laughs) buckets of drama? (laughs)
1: Yeah. You know, the, our power is based on how we direct our thinking, our voice, our words, right. And our deeds and whether we allow our emotions to direct us or whether we allow them to, um, to shoot us off course. And what I found is that drama is a huge trigger and a huge energy drain for the clients that I've worked with. So drama is about distraction. It takes your eye off of true North and there are five ways we do it. Um, So the first is with a lack of boundaries. So when you say yes, when you mean no, you are inviting resentment and drama. and And you'll know if you're doing this when like, if you open your calendar and you look at it and you're like, Oh my goodness, I can't believe that's my day. If you're mad the whole time you're doing something because you wanted to be nice, that's not nice, but we're trained to do it, right? Yes is out of our mouth before we even know it has happened, right? So a lack of boundaries will really create a lot of drama in our life. Um, The the second is a, a lack of focus, essentially. So I call this bright, shiny ball syndrome. If you do not have any clear goals, you're going to be pulled off track by every bright, shiny, fun thing that comes your way and we all have that friend who's had, you know, eight businesses in the last year, uh, or, or, uh, who always has a new hobby that, that they're into, um, but they never really get anywhere with anything they're doing. So a lack of focus creates drama because we're expending a great deal of energy, but we never actually have any progress coming on in our life. And that can be a really self-defeating thing. Um, the, the third thing is chaos. And chaos is a result of not handling your business. So this is the person who is, you know, starting in in the U.S. They're starting their taxes on April 14th when they're due on the 15th, right? You're doing the paper the night before. And you get a little payoff, right? You get a little adrenaline rush when you do that, but it creates a lot of drama in your life. Um, And then the fourth one is really around repression, right it is around not speaking up for yourself when you need to speak up for yourself because what happens when we don't use our voice when we have energy right when you have an emotion and you do not express that emotion one of two things is going to happen first the emotion is going to to clamp into your tissues right and can actually make you physically sick the then one of two things is going to happen either you're going to blow your top and we've all had that moment where we're just you know in a loop of craziness because we can't it was the straw that broke the camel's back or even worse you just stop feeling because you can only put so much on your heart before you feel it right so repression creates toxic toxic drama and then the last one is a need for attention and what happens in childhood with so many kids and I was one of these kids um is that my parents all be you know that uh, Our parents have the best of intentions, but we all do just our best, right? And so I had these really busy parents and I got attention when I misbehaved. And so what I learned was that if I have a problem, I'm going to get attention. And so you can actually start to condition that if something is wrong with me, right, I'm going to get energy. Or you could be the person that welcomes other people's problems because you're really linking attention with problems. So those five things will drain your energy like a parasite has come and attached itself to you. And you'll never get to true north. You'll also become really emotionally exhausted because it is emotionally exhausting to be in constant motion but not make any progress.
0: Mm, I love that. I can relate to that one because I remember actually we're talking about it not that long ago with my mother. As soon as my sister was born, every time my mother was breastfeeding my sister, for some miraculous reason, I always had to go to the toilet Always, always. (laughs) And so it was, it was very problematic for for me because if I didn't, I would just do it. I would pee my pants. So it was always, I always created that drama for my mom because I wanted the attention.
1: Exactly. And that can follow in you in life and, you know, in the workplace that can look like, um, you know, if you are the employee who is always going to your boss with a problem, you may be getting FaceTime with your boss, but I've been that boss. And what I know is I don't actually want to see you at my desk unless you also have a solution. That's right. So, right. Um, and so But you can, you can really shoot yourself in the foot because you can become the person that people see you walking down the hall and they run and, you know, there'll be executives listening to this podcast because every executive has had that, that employee of theirs where they see them walking down the hall and they want to like run and hide in the bathroom stall, right? Um, so uh, that can really bite you in the booty if you're not conscious of it as an adult.
0: Mm, and it links into external validation too, doesn't
1: it? Yes, yes, exactly. Because, and again, none of this is about a personal weakness or anything that we should feel any kind of shame about because we all have these universal needs to belong and to be seen and to matter and to know that, you know, that people think we're okay and that we can get things done. These are all universal things that drive us. And I, I find that the, any problem, I'm dealing with someone about when we really get down to the nitty-gritty, there is one of those five needs that are driving the situation. And when we really look at the need, we can resolve the symptom of the situation. And then the situation is a much easier thing to handle.
0: Mm, I love that. So um, it's a really – we we all have uh, external validation in some way, shape, or form, depending on how we link it to our needs.
1: Yeah, exactly. And for external validation, you know what we want – is we want a recognition that we are significant. We matter. Mm. Um, that, that, that's one of our needs is, is worth or significance. Or perhaps that we want that validation that, yeah, you know what? You belong here. I love you. I want to be connected with you, right? Or And, and that, that's our need to feel loved and connected. Or there's a, the need for safety. Um, we want that validation that, you know what? I've got you. Don't worry about it. You're safe here, I'm going to take care of you, right? As a child, that's our most basic. Like our parents are promising us they're going to take care of us. And then when you move into a, a love relationship, there's that basic need. But but yes, as a human, we are dying for that validation and we will do anything to get it. And so any behavior you have that is repeating itself and that is not getting you good results, but you're continuing to, to do it, 100% promise you, um that there's a need behind that. And and one thing I will do um will be to offer a, a, a copy of my first book, uh Remodel Your Reality, has a whole chapter on needs and and how these relate. and I'm happy to offer any of your listeners a free ebook, a free copy of that so we can just pop it right uh, online. And all they have to do is just Kim at kimberlyfulcher.com, email me and I'll get you an ebook so that you get all the mechanics of what we've just talked about.
0: Mm, I love that because on your book it actually says seven steps to rebalance your life and reclaim your passion.
1: Yes, yes and and the book really is it's going to walk you through, how to use your energy effectively and where you may be being drained without realizing it, how to get very clear about what's important to you, about your priorities, how to identify your passion, your values, your strengths, your skills, and put them all together in a formula so that you can really have a fulfilling journey on this this ride. And, you know, Remodel Your Reality was my first book and balance was such a buzzword then. But I really have come to believe that. Balance is such a different thing for every woman that I. I typically, I think I referred to this earlier. I typically will go now more for the blend, right, than a balance. Which a blend is more. It's kind of that composite of all of the things that are important to you. Um, because even when you get clear about everything that's important to you, you're still going to be busy. It's still going to be messy, but it will be much less stressful because the things that you're spending your energy on are things that actually matter to you. Um, mm. But I would love to send copies to your listeners. So Kim at KimberlyFulcher.com is the email, and I will get your ebook off to you. Oh, thank you so,
0: so very much. So, Kimberly, as an entrepreneur, what has been your greatest lessons
1: learned thus far? Oh, goodness. I think three things. First, you really have to be passionate about what it is that you're looking to build and create. So many times I see individuals stepping onto the entrepreneurial path. And what they're really doing is moving away from the corporate environment, right? They they don't want that job anymore. And so they're going to become an entrepreneur. But the truth of the matter is the job with the predictable paycheck is a much easier gig than the entrepreneurial journey. Uh, Not that the the executive, not that the corporate environment does not have its host of challenges because it certainly does. But in the entrepreneurial journey, you know, you're gonna eat what you kill and you're going to have harder times than you can possibly imagine. Everything is gonna take longer than you thought. Nothing is going to work the way you thought it was going to the first time. And I'll have a a second point of advice on on that piece of it. But you have to make sure that why you are going for this matters enough to you that you have enough passion enough purpose enough belief that there's a reason you're supposed to be doing this to pull you through because it is an excruciatingly difficult journey the second point related to that is that you must be willing to adapt so successful entrepreneurs do not have an idea and just go execute on that idea And everything comes up rosy. What happens is they have an idea and then they go out into the market and they listen and they market test. And I'll have a third point around the listening and the market testing in a moment. And they adapt what it is that they are offering to the market. So that it is relevant, so that it is viable, so that what they are offering actually matters to a specific group of people and they are solving a specific problem. And that leads us to my third point, which is make sure you are solving a problem that is big enough that people will pay for it. And make sure you are solving that problem for an audience you understand and can reach. Because the most brilliant idea in the world, if it isn't solving a problem, for a specific type of person who has the money to pay for it will not become a viable business. And those are three major mistakes I see entrepreneurs make. And, and the the fourth one really is, is cherry on top, one that I personally learned and that was at the source really of my second company not turning out the way I wanted it to. You must listen. You do not need to have all the answers. You do not need to be the smartest person in the room. In fact, you shouldn't be. Surround yourself with people who are the best in their specific areas. You are the conductor. Make sure you are bringing all of the people together that can help you reach your mission, however it is that you've defined that, and make sure that you are listening to them and you are conducting the journey of them because, or the the you know the whole group of them. Um, Because it takes a village to make an entrepreneurial journey win.
0: Mm, It sure does. Absolutely. And I guess this will link into the question that I was curious about is I believe that we all have uh, pain points. So what would be one of your pain points, whether it's in life or business, that you stumble across and how do you get to your
1: solution? Pain points in business or pain points in life overall?
0: Oh, whatever, whether it's one that you resonate with strongly in business or in
1: life or both. Sure. You know, the, my biggest challenge, and, and I find so many professional women have this, is really finding that blend, that balance between my own professional ambitions and taking care of my family you know, making sure that I'm eking out enough time for my work while also having time to take care of myself and to support the desires and the wishes of my family. And, you know, so the way that I, I know instinctively that I will leave my project to go and take care of something for my daughter or to go and take care of something for my husband. I will do that. And so what I do is to make sure that I've got uh, a very disciplined planning system and structure that helps me every week to identify the things that are important for me to get done. And to make sure that I've allotted time on my calendar so that I'm not doing the second thing that also trips me up and I see so many women trip on is really overestimating what can actually be done in a given time. I think we, we you know, all tend to think I have five major projects and I'll try to stick them you know, in one day in two hour increments when really it should be you know, each one of those should have had their own day. So I'm getting better at that. But I think it's essentially it's making sure that I make time for the creative projects and the professional projects that are important to me and doing that by having a disciplined structure I follow with my, my calendar and making sure that I give myself about twice as much time as I think I need for anything that is in front of me. I love that. And I
0: think that's, I think that's why I think there's so much overwhelm, burnout stress. It's because we underestimate how long something actually takes. Yes. Yeah.
1: Completely, completely. And, and I also think you know, in the social media age where all we see is the highlight reel, whether we're on LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook, you know, whatever part of someone's life we're looking at, we see the highlight reel. We don't see how long it took for the person to produce what they're sharing, right? We never share those. Oh my gosh, this is my, uh, you know, like uh, back to my, my, you know, book that I'm working with. So I'm in my eighth, version of this book proposal. And if you would have told me when I started, Oh my gosh, you're going to be through eight versions and it's going to be three years of market research. I would have told you, no, thanks. (laughs) Um, and when I finally get the book out, I am going to share that story because I think we grossly underestimate what will be required to get things done. And then we beat up on ourselves thinking that something is wrong with us, that it hasn't happened quickly, not, not realizing that actually it takes that long for everyone.
0: Yes. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And we only hear about the successes, but we don't actually ask, how long did it actually take you to get there? Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes, and, it might, exactly. and then
0: when you actually ask them, it's all about 20 years, 15 years, 10 years. I
1: know. <laughs> and a 25, 25 year overnight success. Right? Yes.
0: That's it. That is so true. So true. Yes, exactly.
1: Thank you for that one, because I'm
0: sure everyone could relate to that. So, Kimberly, as we start wrapping up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you?
1: Encouragement. Mm, I, I think in- encouragement. That. Mm. Yes,
0: And the last question as we wrap up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick three shiny gold nuggets to leave for our listeners. So what would be like three practical exercises that you would like to leave for our audience today?
1: Sure. So let's actually do a little wrap up from, from what we've talked about. First, I would invite you to consider toying with your own confidence account. And you can just keep it on a piece of paper and make little, you know, slash tallies for every time you follow through on something for yourself, and that you do a little deduction for everything that you don't. Or even more effective, I like to have my clients take a clear jar. It can be a glass, it can be a vase, and just use change and put a piece of change in that jar every time you you do something for yourself, and then you take out two coins every time you do not follow through. And that's really a visual way to remind yourself that your confidence is up to your own behavior. You are in charge. So that would be the first. Uh, The second would be to, if you have not already, make sure you're clear about what true north is for you. And when I'm working with a client, we use three things. Who are the top five most important people in your life? Right. And are you spending time with those people and are those people for you? Are they, are they empowering you? Right. Number two, what are your top five to seven priorities? And in the coaching world, a priority is something that is important to you, like getting your workout or something that needs your time for your life to function, like paying your bills. Right. So we want our people, our priorities, and then our top projects. you can also call these goals. What are the top three to five goals that you have for the calendar year? And what are the top projects that will support those goals? All right? And when we establish True North, right, and that's point number two, what we can then do is use it to guide us, and that will be point three. And what I usually like to do is just put a bracelet on so that, you know, like one of those little bead bracelets, you could even do a hair tie. And that acts as an anchor to remind you that you are going to use what you think and what you say and what you do to move you closer to your true north. So every time you see that little bracelet, you ask yourself, is what I'm thinking, saying and doing moving me closer to what I want or further away from it, right? It's just to condition you. And what we really want to do is make sure that you are not saying yes to any request that does not have to do with your people your priorities or your top projects that is really difficult thing to do Um, we want to be calendaring scheduling only things that have to do with our people our priorities or our projects right and we use our bracelet to keep us anchored and as a free resource at kimfulcher.com there are a number of videos that can walk you through uh, how to say no like you mean it how to set a boundary um, how to figure out what you want if you don't know what you want. Uh, and that can walk you through that true north. All free, com. So your your listeners can go go there for that. But those three things, I think, are behaviorally the things that can actually help you take charge of your power in the world and raise your confidence like nobody's business.
0: Oh, I love that. And it just reminded me of a, a saying, and I can't remember who he said it, it might have been Stephen Covey, that we are the average of the five people we hang out with.
1: We really are. And you know, it's staggering, but brain science even shows us now that there's something called a mirror neuron in our brain where the brain, your brain tracks your neural pathways, right? The pathways in your brain actually begin to form to mimic those of the people closest to you. So it is incredibly important that you know who they are and that you want those brain tracks formed in uh, in your noggin.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Thank you so very much for sharing that. Kimberly, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and I'm sure that listeners are going to reach out. Where is the best place for them to find you?
1: Yeah. So kim at kimberlyfulcher.com is my email. It's my personal email. I answer everything. Thrilled to send an ebook or if you just have a question, thrilled to answer questions. My website is kimfulcher.com. And that will have all of those free videos and blogs and blogs to support the steps we've talked about today. On Instagram, I'm Kim Fulcher one two three because I always use you know steps one two three steps. Um, we're gonna get through it, and then it's Kim one on Facebook, and I believe I'm Kimberly Fulcher on LinkedIn. And would love to hear from your listeners in any of those forums. And thank you so much. You've been so amazing.
0: Oh look, Kimberly, I can't tell you how amazing you are. I have got I think about five or six pages of notes here, so I've got <laughs> RSI on my in my hand. But um, thank you so much for your time. Your energy your wisdom and what an amazing like this interview has been packed with full shiny golden nuggets so thank you so much
1: oh thank you so much it's my pleasure and what a what a beautiful way to to end the the work week so you're you're my tgif oh i
0: love that that's awesome well thank you so very much thank you have a great one you too Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please share the show with your friends to help us make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes or please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers, the better the speakers for the show, which then means more value for you, so that together we can help the world become a better place. Don't give it another thought, hit the subscribe button and help people get their weekly lessons. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift, where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Until next week, wishing you a fabulous day.